Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Aaron Summers, joined by John DeShazer. We are talking all things NFL draft this week. We're going to start it off with a Saints-centric podcast, and we're going to bring in Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football. You can follow him at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter, or you can follow at NOF Network on Twitter as well. Lots of stuff to get to. It is a big week for the Saints. It's a big week for the Pelicans. So it's been a fun week for the city of New Orleans. Nick, how have you been doing? Have you been enjoying any of it? Oh, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, it's, it's a great time for the, the city right now. It's going to be an exciting week, game six. They got uh, going on the same night as the first round of the, the yeah. draft. So like for the first time in what seems like forever, attention could be pulled away from the NFL draft, which I, I think is a, a good thing. It, it's better when both these teams are doing well and there's attention on them. And it's just cool to feel the momentum. And, you know, hopefully it carries on in, in the next year, too, when the stadium sold out on Tuesday nights like it is right now during the playoffs. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot of fun. We know that this city has a lot of rabid sports fans. We see them when it comes to the Saints. So as far as the Saints go and their draft needs, what would be the first few areas that you'd like to see them attack? So I think if they had their ideal scenario, it it would probably fall wide receiver, offensive tackle, safety in the first two rounds with those first three picks. I think wide receiver is really the only one that I would put like as that absolute must have to get position after the way things went last year it just feels like that has to be addressed and I know recently former coach Sean Payton said it doesn't have to come in the first round and I I don't necessarily think he's wrong about that you can get a Mike Thomas in the second round Mike Thomas exists and we see that but I just think symbolically um after the way last season played out you want to see them attack that position early and just do something that's definitive it's not a maybe it's here's the answer Here's the guy that's going to play opposite Mike Thomas, and this is how the team's going to get better on offense after not doing anything on offense the whole offseason. So I would like to see them address that at 16, if not 16, 19, and then fill in however else you got around it. But you need to get that guy that can be a difference maker for the offense. Before we go into this draft and picks and all that kind of stuff, you mentioned former head coach Sean Payton. How do you think that the strategy going into the draft changes because Obviously, there's a change of the guards. I don't think it'll be super different because Jeff Ireland's still the guy running the scouting process. Mickey Loomis is still in there, and he's always had a big voice in the room. I just think maybe the difference will be maybe possibly a little less aggression, which is a little weird to say considering they just traded for another first-round pick. I don't think they're being passive by any means, but I think sometimes Sean was a driving force behind some of those really aggressive decisions. Sometimes emotional decisions like the one to trade up to get Tommy Stevens and and keep him away from the Carolina Panthers. I don't think we'll see Mickey Loomis making those type of calls, Dennis Allen making those types of calls. So I think just maybe some of those things, it'll just be a little bit more, uh, again, a little less aggressive, but I think still aggressiveness is part of the Saints DNA. Nick, does a running back fit in this draft? Not Maybe not early, but, but does a running back fit in this draft? Yeah, J.D., I mean, that's kind of one of the other positions that I I want to hear your take on this one when I'm done yapping here. But I think one of the things that that I would consider the other must is running back. I mean, Alvin Kamara might get suspended to start the season. And even if he doesn't, I don't know if if Tony Jones Jr. is the guy they view as that that third piece in that uh, running back room. And Mark Ingram's getting closer to the end than the beginning. And and at some point, you need to make a transition away from from him and, and get younger players in there to kind of carry that load. So I feel... 
you know, first four games or so, if, if Alvin's not playing, you got to have a surefire answer there because this is a team that I think wants its identity to be running the ball and then running play action off the running game. And you got to be effective at that to be able to play football that way. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that completely. I mean, if, if Mark Ingram was, you know, three years past, then yeah, you, you'd be okay. But, you know, with his his aging and, and the un, the uncertainty around Alvin, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but, you know, we kind of assume something's going to happen. And if it does, uh, you're missing one of the best NFL running backs. And, you know, certainly you, you probably need to do something in that area. Um, what about tackle? I mean, you did mention tackle on, now, I don't know if the Saints look at it as a must because they have James Hurst. He can fill in there, but it does seem to be a position where they probably need to do something. I think we're on the, the same page here. It's, I don't think it's a must. If, if the board doesn't fall the way they want it to fall, you can get by. It's a survivable situation. But I think it is a, a high-level want, I guess is how I would put it. it. And I think that they can be a better team uh, with with, a, with a, another offensive tackle losing. Teron Armstead is a big loss. And it is interesting, you know, throughout his career in games where he played 50% or more of the snaps versus games 49 and lower to sitting out, they essentially have the same exact winning percentage, but you dive deeper into that a little bit and runs to the left side of the field. For instance, it's 4.5 yards per carry with him on the field in those games and four without him. And I think that's just going to kind of be where you see some of that quality go away. If you don't get another guy in there at a, you aren't going to get an Armstead level player probably, but somebody that's that's, you know, a very good solidified first round type talent, which no disrespect to James Hurst, great player, great fill-in, solid starter. I just don't know that he's he's someone you look at and say, that's an anchor of the offensive line. And without that type of player, the things we were talking about, the the play action, the running game, it just takes a it falls back a little bit, the ceiling. And if you can get somebody, and again, they might they might have to be aggressive to get one of these guys. And I don't know if we'll see that or not, but if they can get a tackle in there that can start right away, I think it is a way to strengthen up all those areas and make your offense a little bit better. See, that stat right there, Aaron, that, that yards per carry with Teron on the field and with him off, that's why we invite Nick on here. That, <laughs> that's why we invite him on here. So, so now, Nick, linebacker, um, you have Demario Davis, you have Pete Werner, two guys that you feel pretty comfortable with. But beyond that, it doesn't seem to be as solidified uh, as maybe some other years. Uh, is that another area that the Saints might try to, you know, maybe even get a veteran later on, but certainly maybe address here in the draft? I do think going into the season, your nickel package, you got two linebackers on the field. I do think regardless, that should be DeMario and Pete Werner. I think Pete Werner has, has earned the opportunity mm -hmm. to be in that role of second round pick. I really like Quan Alexander. I like the things he did. Even if Quan found his way back here, I think it's time to, to flip that on its head a little bit and have that be Pete kind of leading the way and, and Quam filling in, in in different packages. But I do think they need to get somebody else in there. And I, I think a young player drafting somebody that you can maybe uh, develop a little bit would be a good idea because, again, this roster is getting kind of old in some of those those key places. And we haven't seen really any fallback from Demario Davis. And if there is any athletic uh, attrition to his game, he's made up for it with extreme knowledge and just being able to, to anticipate things. And it seems like he's getting better still, which is kind of crazy, but at some point that's going to, that's going to stop and having a young guy in there in the pipeline that's developing that can be in that room, learning, getting better, all that stuff. Well, DeMario kind of plays out the last few years of his career. And then you're ready to make that transition. I think would be a smart move for him. Can they find the safety they want in, in this draft? Because I mean, they were able to find um, Charlie Gardner Johnson in the draft. We're able to find, 
Marcus Williams in the draft, although Marcus Williams left as an uh, unrestricted free agent. But, you know, can they find the guy that they that they want in the draft? I mean, you just you took the answer from me right there. I mean, that that's the one spot I think <laughs> they, they draft better than maybe any other position in, in just secondary as a whole. Like their scouting process there seems to be really good. And if you have a position that needs to be filled for the Saints, like I, I feel most confident with their ability to go out there and find that safety because of just all those guys that, that they found and, and they know exactly what they want out of that spot. And they've gotten good players in later rounds. Chauncey was a fourth round pick. Uh, Marcus Williams was a second round pick. So it doesn't have to necessarily fall in the first round. If, if it has to wait a little bit for the value to be there, I feel like they're going to be able to get a good pick and get that guy in there. And, you know, if all else fails, Honey Badger still hasn't signed with anyone and, and you could sign him potentially after the draft when it wouldn't count against that comp pick formula starting that very first day after the draft, you can sign those guys and, and it won't cost you anything. So putting that on the, the back burner, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more to, to address it now that you're the, the needy party. But if it doesn't work out, there still are other options out there. You mentioned Honey Badger and, I, and I'm, you know, this is dropping off the draft for a second. But he, um, OBJ, uh, Jarvis Landry, the longer those guys are on the market, how, how much more feasible does it become for maybe the Saints to be able to get them? Because obviously none of them have been able to get the price that they're looking for. Otherwise they'd already be on the roster. It's interesting. Like those guys have, have two paths to play. And I, I put OBJ aside from them because he, he has the injury. So I don't know if he has the same type of leverage as the other guys. Like there's going to be a period here where if they want to sign with the team, their price is going to go down or they could really just go all in on trying to get all the leverage they, they want and they need to get the money they want. By just waiting for somebody to get hurt in camp, and now a contender is a desperate team, and their safety tore his Achilles in camp, and that's a lot to bet on. So, barring that happening, these teams are going to start being able to, to kind of get them probably for a lesser price. And there's going to be, you know, I think even Jarvis coming in for a visit, there's there's a little let off the gas on his side, and it seems like it probably needs to come off a little bit more because the money isn't quite there yet. But right after the draft, if they want to sign before camp, yeah, I think the teams are going to have. A little bit of leverage but again for the saints like they like to set their price and stand still and guys got to meet them like if you don't get your safety like there might just have to be a little bit of give on your side just to meet this guy somewhere closer to to the middle of the, where the two parties are we've talked a little bit about some of the needs but with the pick or the the trade that they did with the eagles and the picks now changing from getting the two in the first round and then losing a lot for the next two upcoming drafts. How do you think that's going to affect things kind of down the line for the Saints? It's interesting because I feel like they kind of moved up their assets to take advantage of the core they have now, Demario Davis, uh, Mark Ingram, Cam Jordan, some of these, these older players that you still have a contending type team. And if you wait three years for, for some of these things to vest and get the value from them, some of these players might not still be in their, their prime window. So it is moving it up. I think it's it's kind of saying there's still a window to compete here, but it, it does affect things. Like if Jameis Winston, for whatever reason, doesn't become the quarterback they want him to be, they need him to be, you don't have those first-round picks now to, to go out there and address that position. So you're kind of making these bets on people and, and you know, th this, I don't know, like, it, so to speak, you know, granted – there's a lot of quarterback movement around the NFL now, so they could wait a little bit and see who shakes free and trade for somebody or sign for somebody, but it makes it a little bit harder to maneuver in some of those areas. So I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's kind of being 
they aren't like all in the way they used to be because there's still 20 million on the cap. And before when they were all in that 20 million will be spent, this trade would still happen and it would just be going all the way forward. I think it's a little bit more measured approach. And I think this is a good example of, of the difference in thinking between Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. I think Mickey kind of sees the reality of the situation. They're a team that can get in the playoffs. And if things go right in the playoffs, you never know. And I think that's the approach that they're taking this year. And you kind of see it. Whereas like, you know, before it was just everything, the future is, you know, whatever. And uh, let the chips fall where they may. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it is a little bit limiting in, in some of those moves going forward at these high value positions. If you aren't able to address them and you don't have the answers you like right now with the guys that you have. Yeah. So the Saints, they lose that first pick in 2023, the second round in 2024, and then a few um, 18th in 2022. It's, you know, it's, it's a bunch. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Jameis Winston and the quarterback situation here. Obviously he doesn't sign a long-term deal, but does that mean that you think that the possibility of drafting a quarterback is on the table for this season? If they like any of them, I, I think it's, it's definitely on, should be on the table. It, it's a position where you can't be passive. Jameis essentially assigned to a one-year deal worth $15.2 million. They can get out of it after the season. And that would kind of be the all-in cost. That's not a significant investment. And we saw just this offseason, their pursuit of other quarterbacks, which is illustrative of, of how they feel about the position. Now, Jameis, I think if he's properly supported, has all the pieces around him, I think we could potentially see him elevate into the player that, that you know, he, he wants to be. Uh, there's also a reality, too, where, where maybe that doesn't happen. So until you see it, until there's a reason to not have wandering eyes, I mean, your eyes are going to wander. So it, they, they aren't married by any means at this point. It's a, it's a short-term <laughs> situation. And, you know, until, until there's that, that, those vows are said with a five-year contract worth, you know, $25 million and not $15 million or $30 million. And, you know, quarterbacks are getting paid $50 million a year. Just, you know, and this is their starters being paid 15.2. So, I mean, there's a, a significant difference in, in the level of uh, – investment so until that's made and he's locked in and you know I, th I think you do have to be looking at all options all right so we've talked quarterback we've talked wide receiver running back offensive tackle any other positions that you think may be targeted you know the sneaky one that i could see him doing and, and anyone listening to this is going to be like what what's he talking about why why would he say that like if there's a cornerback in the first round, I could see him drafting a cornerback in the first round high positional value i think paulson adibo was really good last year but just kind of the way you look at the the players in the draft, like there's a chance that like the positions of need are gone and like there's good cornerbacks sitting there. And for a first round pick, you would rather draft a guy with that kind of positional value. You can never be too good in the secondary. That's kind of maybe the surprise pick that I that I'm kind of been looking at and thinking about and thinking like, is it possible? And I, I think it definitely is possible. What about tight end? I've seen that in a couple mocks. Yeah, that's definitely a spot where I think they could use some help for sure. Uh, I don't think it's it's a top level thing. They do view Taysom in that mix now as somebody that that could potentially help with that position. But there, there's room for growth there with Adam Troutman, Jawan Johnson, and you know Taysom Hill being the other guy. They they could definitely uh, use a certain playmaker at that position. Mm -hmm. Any names? Any players that you really love in this draft? So if I was making the pick for him, Chris Olave would be the guy. I would take him potentially maybe over all the wide receivers, I think. I, I think his route running 
is elite. And I think his elite trait is better than anybody else's elite trait. There's some stuff with his play strength. I, I don't think he's the greatest blocker. Contested catches could get a little bit better. But I just think over time, uh, you know, working with Matt Ray here and, and um, you know, the, the strength and conditioning team, that he would get better at some of that stuff and, and grow into his body a little bit. And his weaknesses could become strengths. But that elite route running uh, is something that this team did not have last year. And a guy that gets open easily down the field intermediately, um, over the middle even sometimes, I think it's something that will play really well opposite Mike Thomas. All right. I like it. Where can we follow what you're doing this week leading up to the draft and kind of get some more of this type of analysis? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Nick underscore Underhill, and the website is neworleans.football. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time and the insight. We are looking forward to the draft this Thursday, 7 o'clock Central on NFL Network. Thanks for joining us.